1: Now I'd like to welcome Mayor John Tory to the show for one of his periodic visits. There's an awful lot to talk about. He's just come We're from here. Queen's Park, where he met with the Premier ahead of the April 11th budget. And late last week, he introduced Vision Zero 2.0, which has new recommendations for reducing pedestrian deaths. And uh, when we covered that on this show last week, I couldn't manage to take all of your calls. So please call Back, uh, just before we get to the mayor, the number is 416 toll free one 866 740 Mayor Tory, welcome. Thanks, Libby. Okay, so let's start with Vision Zero 2.0. Uh, you've talked about uh, putting in crosswalks in those arterial roads where most of the problems are. How quickly can that happen?
2: Well, it should happen more quickly than it often has, because I think we've got an urgent problem here of preventable deaths. And, of course, many of them are seniors. The majority of the pedestrian deaths last year, which exceeded 40, when we're trying to get it down to zero, uh, were senior citizens. And the, the biggest part of the problem when we analyze uh, what's going on is that um, in places like Scarborough and Etobicoke, but we were analyzing Scarborough numbers, people of, of all ages and, and, and sizes and whatnot have to walk much further in the suburbs to get to a safe crossing place as defined by either a crosswalk or a signalized intersection. And that's just typical of a lot of these arterial roads that have these long stretches with no crossings. Um, And the cars, of course, end up going faster on those stretches. So we said what we were going to do is put in more safe crossings as well as more red light cameras because, again, a fair number of these deaths were caused by people speeding through red lights and killing a pedestrian in the intersection. And that we were going to change speed limits and enforce that through uh, speed enforcement cameras, uh, because again, people were just speeding. Uh, you know, no matter what the speed limit was, they were speeding. But we're going to uh, ask for recommendations from our staff on how to lower uh, the speed limit so that we are trying to slow the traffic down and do that as well through uh, different road design.
1: Yeah, uh, my question is though, how long does it take to get that done? I know sometimes when you want to make a change in a road design, it takes forever.
2: Well, yes. I mean, the road designs obviously take longer because what you're doing there is actually changing the configuration of a road. But I would say that uh, the things we can do the fastest include uh, the red light cameras. Uh, it includes uh, the installation of some crosswalks, and a signalized intersection takes longer than a crosswalk. But the bottom line is we're going to be speeding all of this up because uh, if we believe it's going to make a positive contribution, as I do from the analysis of these Scarborough numbers, which I think apply more or less to other parts of the sort of suburban parts of the city north york etobicoke uh then we've got to get on with it and so i certainly am going to be wasting no time on moving forward on all of these things knowing that the reconfiguration of roads like where you actually change the design of the road takes longer probably the longest of all the things that we talked about changing speed limits can be done quickly at a low cost uh red light cameras we have some budget for that already because we've dramatically expanded those before um, and, and so on, but we're very committed to doing this as quickly as possible.
1: So the red light cameras are going to be going on, going in those arterial roads?
2: Yeah, we've already expanded the number of red light cameras in the city as a whole from a handful up to now, I think, a couple of hundred, um, because we, you know, it's funny, when they were first put in, they were deemed to be more a matter of kind of traffic and, and uh, management in a certain way, but they're proving to be incredibly useful and necessary especially on these arterial roads as a means of, um, of of promoting safety, because we did determine from the deep dive on the Scarborough numbers that a great many of the people who lost their lives, I mean, you know, the number should be zero, but were people who were actually struck crossing at a proper crossing place, a safe signalized intersection, but somebody was racing through a red light and struck them. Uh, and uh, these signals, uh, these um, red light cameras will help us to both deter that behavior and to, um, you know, send the message to those who do it that it's just not acceptable.
1: And and the city is allowed to put in a red light camera now wherever it wants?
2: Yeah, that's a very insightful question because we were given permission years ago to put in the red light cameras, and yes, we can put them wherever we want, but the photo radar, speed enforcement cameras, is at a different stage. I asked the Premier Wynne, I went, as she then was two years ago, to give us permission to uh, put these in, uh, in school zones and community safety zones, and she said yes. And since then, we've been embarked on this long regulatory approval process to get them to actually pass the regulations to let us do it. But uh, we have, in the meantime, been testing the technology, so we're ready to go. And I guess the technology that we're testing all over the city in different places gave us further rise for concern, in that you had, literally from the testing of the equipment, many people who were thousands of people who were speeding, and you had excesses of things like on Renforth Drive up in North Potomacau. You had somebody going 202 kilometers per hour in a 60 zone. You had on Queen Street, of all places, uh, people going 105 kilometers per hour in a, in a 40 zone. So, you know, you can see the problem out that's being picked up by this equipment, but we can't yet legally deploy it, which we hope to do. I'm certainly determined to do it in as many school and community safe zones, as safety zones as possible by this fall.
1: Okay. I'm, yeah, and it's, I'm, you know, even getting the difference between the red light camera and the photo radar. The photo radar, I guess, is just speeding anywhere. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of metrics to determine, is this working? What's your benchmark? How much of a reduction in fatalities do you need to see to say, yes, we're doing the job or no, we're still not doing the job?
2: Well, I think taken together, our objective is very clear, and I don't waver from that, which is to get the number down to zero, but everybody knows that's going to take a period of time. But I think we have to see, you know, downward uh, you know, reduction in the numbers of both deaths and injuries, because, of course, the deaths are what we quite properly focus on, but there are many people that are being injured uh, in these kinds of pedestrian accidents. And so I think we have to see those numbers going down, and I'm quite confident that they will, if we do all of these things, because uh, once we've done the analysis of exactly what was going on in a place like Scarborough, where they had a disproportionate number of the pedestrian deaths last year, um, we could see what the common factors were that were leading to um, those deaths. And and I think we can make progress on that. But the objective is to get it to zero. Um, mm-hmm. But we want to see the opposite to what what was going on. I mean, instead of going down, the numbers were actually, you know, going up. Uh, and And we just can't we couldn't continue with that. Uh,
1: what about. Fixing some things on the other end. So yes, I agree, it's very bad for people to turn left on red lights. But the way things are configured now in a lot of places where there are legal left turns, you cannot turn left on a green light, or even a yellow light. So what about fixing those and either, you know, making it illegal or letting it happen legally as opposed to what's happening now?
2: Well, well, of course, we've done a lot of that. Like we've people will know who drive cars in the city. We've installed a lot of those green arrows that provide for a specific time when people can turn left, but pedestrians are not supposed to walk. And another thing that we've done is we put in literally, I think, 100-plus of these what are called pedestrian interval uh, signals for pedestrians that give them a head start crossing the intersection before traffic's allowed to move at all, so they get a a green for walking before the traffic gets a green, and those have been proven elsewhere in the world to work, and we've installed a 100-plus, if not more, of those. So we'll continue to do all of the things we have been doing, but I just knew from the analysis that I asked to be done of these Scarborough numbers, and last year's generally unsatisfactory, unacceptable numbers, that we needed to do more, and hence the speech that I made that said we're going to do speed limits, more crosswalks, more signalized intersections, more red light cameras, more photo radar, because we really just had to you know, get right on top of this and and get those numbers not to go up and to start going down towards zero, which is the goal.
1: Uh- and uh, another thing that happens generally when we have these conversations here, usually uh, the phones are lighting up with people who are saying, what about the responsibility of cyclists who don't obey the rules of the road, and even pedestrians who are, I mean, I can't even tell you how many pedestrians I see. Uh, they are looking at their phones with head buds in when they're crossing against a light. So what do you say to people who complain? about that?
2: I'd say we all have to work together, and that includes pedestrians and cyclists and drivers and other people, transit drivers, uh, to fix this problem. But that what you have to do is recognize the fact that the onus, the principal onus, must rest on the people who are driving fast-moving vehicles that are surrounding them, the drivers with two tons of steel, as opposed to a relatively defenseless uh, pedestrian. So while everybody has to contribute to improving those numbers and to greater public safety, The onus uh, rests, not exclusively, but principally on the drivers of cars because they're a much more dangerous moving object. But yes, we've all got to work on it. And we're going to have a public information campaign about, you may have heard all the discussion last week about those countdown clocks. And it turns out when you ask people, there's about six different views on what they mean. Some people say, well, what it tells me is I've got 12 seconds to race across the street when in fact, you know, the truth is when those numbers start showing, you're not supposed to be onto the street at all. It's telling you how much time you have to finish crossing the intersection. So... We've got to educate people better on that, pedestrians, and we will do that. Um, But, uh, you know, these are additional measures that we're talking about today, the speed limits and the red light cameras and so on, to uh, make sure that, uh, you know, we make everybody as safe as we could possibly be in a city that had some really serious challenges with this uh, last year.
1: And will there be any consequence, for instance, to people who disobey those countdown clocks?
2: I can't speculate. Right now, I'm assuming somewhere it's written down that you actually can get a ticket. I believe you can for like a $35 ticket. But again, I'm not going to engage in a sort of theoretical exercise with you or or with anybody in the media about, you know, things we could do to penalize pedestrians. I think, again, um, pedestrians have to have their wits about them and be educated about, you know, how these kinds of things like the pedestrian interval signals work. Um, But um, it's an all round effort, and we really have to come to grips with what's going on with the people that are driving cars that are far more, you know, potentially lethal weapons than a pedestrian. But the responsibility rests with everyone. There's no question about that.
1: Okay, let's turn to you just come from Queen's Park. How'd that meeting go? It was fine. I
2: mean, these are incredibly, what we were talking about principally with transit. And of course, it's an incredibly complicated issue in two respects. First, it's just complicated to get built the transit plan that we have approved. Uh, which includes a include whole bunch of projects, the relief line, smart track, uh, waterfront transit, Scarborough transit, Etobicoke transit, and so on. It's expensive and it's, it's time consuming and these things are very uh, detailed in order to plan and design them. Uh, but then what's added to that is the discussion that is going on about this so-called uh, uploading, which would have the province take some more responsibility potentially for the ownership of some of these transit lines on the basis that you could then uh, finance them more easily and build more transit faster. And so, um, all of these things are incredibly complicated, detailed, uh, you know, uh, issues uh, and, and proposals. And so, we had a productive discussion about them this morning. Or have we resolved every single issue? Of course not. But um, we had a, a good discussion about that. And uh, so, those are the kinds of meetings that you have to keep having in order to. Uh, You know, make sure you get on the same page and stay on the same page.
1: A lot of people are worried about this notion, this uh, proposal for uploading the subway system. Uh, Can you give us a sense of when that's likely to happen?
2: Well, I can only give you a sense that we have a process underway where the province and the city of Toronto are sitting at the same table discussing, first of all, what that means. Does it apply to the existing subway and also the new parts? Does it apply to, you know, and what are the terms in which it happens? Uh, you know, because none of that much has been spelled out. It more amounted to a kind of political slogan that the premier Ford uh, ran on and, and got elected. So in that sense, you have to sort of respect the fact he did talk about this during the election. So I would say to you, um, I don't think you're going to see in the next few weeks or even the next few months, a complete, uh, you know, sort of spelling out of the resolution to all these issues because they're so complicated. But um, I think you're going to see us continuing to talk and there will be issues that arise out of those discussions. And the objective is going to be to try and resolve those issues in a way that is satisfactory. I can just assure you that I won't be sort of signing on to any deal that I believe to be bad for the city of Toronto or for transit employees or transit riders. And uh, at the same time, I I realize that people really want to see us work together uh, and sit at the table and try and sort these things out for their betterment. And that's exactly what we're doing.
1: Does you, if you don't sign on to it, does, does that make any difference at all? I mean, don't they have the right to do it if they want to?
2: I think, you know, certainly, I think most people who understand that cities are the entirely the creature of provincial legislation would know that there's lots of things they can do, just as they did with the reduction in the size of the city council. And, you know, I, I as you know, I took considerable objection to how they went about doing that because they could. Um, but I'm very hopeful that uh, by agreeing to have a process and the process at the, at, at the table that our officials are sitting at with theirs expressly recognizes that the outcome could be no upload. It could be a partial upload or it could be an entire upload, so it has the full spectrum represented there, but I'm just glad we're having those discussions, and I'm trusting they're going to continue and that we're going to be fully involved in whatever decision. But um, the province has wide powers to do things that affect municipalities, and that's the way it's been since 1867, the Confederation, and uh, all we can do is hope that they want to continue to be partners with us in achieving the best result possible, which involves you know, some water being put in wine sometimes, as we all know, but uh, we'll take it one day at a time. Uh,
1: Speaking of the reduction of of council, what's your take? Is it having any of the benefits that uh, the premier was touting, saving money, saving time, getting things done quicker? What's your take? I think
2: if you just do the math, Libby, uh, you end up in a situation where it, it does clearly save some money because you're paying 25 councillors and, and, and one mayor instead of paying 47 councillors and one mayor. So that math indicates there's some money to be saved. I think on the time part, um, you know, again, straight math says that when, as we're entitled under the rules, you can ask questions on an issue for five minutes and you can speak on an issue for five minutes. And each council meeting we have upwards of 400 agenda items that if you only have 25 people plus the mayor speaking as opposed to 47, then the debates will be shorter. So I think in that respect, you could say, well, yes, it's had some impact, but I think it's too early. We've only had really, I guess, two you know full business council meetings because it's only March and we're having one this week um, where you can sort of examine productivity in any meaningful way. So I think it's too early to tell, but uh, certainly the meetings are not going to last as long as they used to, uh, I, I don't think. And uh, there's some modest savings to be achieved and the rest of it will have to leave for another day to kind of analyze the uh you know, the the benefits and drawbacks.
1: And you haven't had to hire more staff to make up for that?
2: No, they actually have some of them. I mean, because to be fair to the councillors, they all ended up with twice as many people they were serving. So they went from about, say, 55 or 60,000 to 115,000 per councillor. And so many of them, I think most of the public understand this. If they're going to be responsive to the calls about hydro wires being down or uh, drains being backed up or questions about your taxes uh, in the councillors' offices, you have to have Uh, more people to handle twice as many constituents. So they've had some increase in staff, but I think at the end of the day, there's still some savings to be derived from uh, the reduced size of the council uh, as much as it has increased the workload of the councillors, and that's not a complaint, that's just a statement of fact.
1: What are your priorities? What do you really want to see in this provincial budget?
2: Well, mostly I want them to sort of uh, leave alone things that are very important to us, ranging all the way from the participation they have in housing, childcare, transit, a film tax credit to boost our very important film industry and things like that. But so, so I I, I guess I'd start from the premise that says do no harm. Uh, you know, <laughs> by cutting out things that we find are valuable to the functioning of a great city, uh, and then after that, uh, I think the priorities in terms of getting more help would be for the things that you know I've talked about. It's uh, transit, uh, it's housing, affordable housing in particular, um, and it's the jobs and employment. Toronto's doing really well. We're we're in a boom at the moment, where more people are employed in this city at this moment. Uh, than ever before in our history. The unemployment rate is down to 6.1%, which is historically low. And so, you know, mostly it's do you no know, harm, uh, but it is also to work with us on having good, strong partnerships on transit and on housing, which are, you know, really priorities that people have told me very clearly and overwhelmingly uh, reelecting me that they wanted me to address.
1: And uh, what files do you worry are at risk of harm? I
2: don't have any particular knowledge of that, but I just know they have some serious financial problems, and I've seen a number of the you know steps they've taken in some other areas, some of which affect us directly and some don't. And so I'm just saying basically on the ones that affect us directly, which often have to do with kind of the quality of life in a given city, commitments that have been made on transit, commitments that have been made on child care, uh, commitments that have been made on social assistance, all of which we operate in partnership with the province on that please don't, um, you know, tinker or tamper with those because... Those are important partnerships. Each of those three I mentioned, among others, are things that are very important to the people we serve, and if they take away their money, it's just going to reduce the ability we have as a city to serve and and deliver services to those people.
1: Anything you want to leave us with?
2: No, I just should say to people the purpose of my speech last week, beyond my priorities, which were very clear, because I ran on saying I'm going to keep taxes low, I'm going to get jobs and investment in the city, working hard at that as I have been. We're going to address transit and housing in a meaningful way by getting things built. But I started to open some new chapters last week because in addition to the stuff we talked about on pedestrians, I said we're going to have a a 10-instead-of-a-20-year plan to stop dumping sewage into the lake, which I think most people would be embarrassed by if they knew we were doing it. And, for example, we're going to have a full report on how we can take advantage of the winter economy here. I think right now, as much as we all grumble our way through winter, there are ways we can make it more joyful and more productive and get more tourists to even come here as they do in places like Montreal and Denver. And I'm going to have quite a bit to say in the coming weeks about a number of measures which are also on my agenda beyond transit and housing to make sure this city moves forward and stays what it is, which is a globally recognized city now with an unsurpassed quality of life. But that takes all kinds of things you have to do, including stopping dumping sewage in the lake and including pedestrian safety and a whole bunch of other things. And so I'll have more to say about that. And I'm happy to come back on and talk to you about those things as uh, as the universe unfolds.
1: Okay, we look forward to it. Mayor John Torrey, thanks so much for being thanks, with all us. All the best. Okay, okay bye bye-bye.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.